watches, for thou hast been my help, and in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. Look at that. He said, my soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. There was an intimacy. There was a oneness. There was a sense of confidence. There was this awesome sense of oneness when he says, my soul clings to thee. Have you ever felt like you'd like to hug God? Have you ever wished that the Lord Jesus Christ for just for a moment in your life was the physical, human, divine being that he is and you could just walk up and put your arms around him and hold him real tight and just hear his heart beat against yours? Well, we can't hug him physically, but one thing we can experience, we can experience him hugging us spiritually. And the Lord Jesus, though he is seated at the Father's right hand and in the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, he can place his loving arms around us. We can experience this awesome sense of oneness. We can experience this deep abiding intimacy with him. And he is so willing to love us in such a way that we're aware of that. What is he after in our life? Companionship with us. Listen, he doesn't need anything that you and I have. He doesn't need us to do anything for him. What he wants from you and me, there's not anybody else in the world that's a substitute for us. He can get someone else to do everything you and I do. He can't get anybody to love him in our place. He can't get anybody to be a substitute for us to have an intimate relationship with him because that's why he created us. And when I look at these verses from David and realize what he's saying here, he says, my soul, my soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. What is he saying? He's saying that he is absolutely sufficient. Now, what is it that teaches us that? What teaches us that he's sufficient? What is it that drives us into that intimate relationship and fellowship with him? And you see, God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. Now, when we read the scriptures and we say, well, God is a jealous God, that sounds like God's sinning. No, here's the kind of jealousy he has. When he says he's a jealous God, here's what he means. Anything that competes in our life, with our love and devotion to him. He's jealous of that. He doesn't want anything in our life competing with our love and devotion and loyalty and faithfulness to him. Nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not to love other people. It does not mean that you and I cannot experience pleasures and joy and happiness and fun in life. It doesn't mean any of that. But it means that everything else must take its secondary place. There is nothing in life that can be allowed to compete with our love and loyalty and devotion to Jesus. Storms are God's tools. Storms are God's training periods in our life. It's his training periods. It is his tools in our life to do what? In order to equip us, it isn't enough for God just to comfort us and to strengthen us, but God also wants to use us. He wants to do something through us, and so it's not enough that God would just allow these storms in our life in order to do something and build character in our life. But it is you and I learn to hurt, learn to suffer, learn to experience pain. Listen, not always trying to escape it and run from it, but God, you said you are causing all things to work together for good. So God, you must be causing my storm to work for good in my life. And so I want to thank you for that. Lord, what are you teaching me in this? And Father, how can I now be a comfort to someone else? Let me ask you. When you're going through difficulty and hardship, do you want someone to say, well, I'm just going to pray for you. Listen, I'll pray for you. Just don't worry about it. I'm just going to be praying for you. Thank you very much. You don't want that. Or somebody pat you on the shoulder and say, I know how you feel. No, they don't. 
You and I know when someone says to us, I know how you're hurting. You can't hide it. Listen, when you say it out of your own previous hurts, you, you don't have to convince anybody. They know that. Why does God allow storms in our life? He allows these storms in our life because you and I, listen to this, are the living, walking expressions of Jesus on this earth. Dr. Stanley's message explained that storms are God's tools, his training sessions for making his followers useful and productive. As others see us respond correctly, they'll be drawn to our source of inner strength, Jesus Christ. We'll continue Dr. Stanley's message on the purpose of the storms of life tomorrow. And to listen again, click on Today on Radio on our website, intouch.org. If you'd like to have a copy of today's complete message, you can order it from our online bookstore. The title is God's Purpose. It's also part of the two-part teaching set, The Storms of Life. Our web address again is intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer, you can write to us at In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. It's often hard to see the good that God is trying to accomplish through our seasons of difficulty. To help you see beyond yourself, keep listening for today's Moment with Charles Stanley. It's coming up. Have you ever forgotten something God taught you when you were reading the Bible? When we take note of what God reveals to us, it helps us to apply it to our lives. With the Charles F. Stanley Life Principles Journal, you can keep track of your spiritual journey and be transformed by God's truths. This journal features artwork of Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles, lined pages for writing, a prayer journaling section, and more. To order, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash journal. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org slash today. You're listening to In Touch. God has a plan to reach others through our suffering. With Insight for Believers, here's A Moment with Charles Stanley. One of my other pastor friends had two daughters and a son, fine children growing up, and um, one of these girls, when she got to be a teenager, I mean, she blew it badly, caused lots of friction in the family, but more friction in the church, and it was just a total disaster. I said to my friend, who is a very outstanding pastor, I said, tell me, how did you respond to that? Because you saw yourself losing your daughter. How did you respond? He said, I hurt, and I bled, and I cried. And he said, I asked myself a thousand questions. What did I do wrong? How should I have done this? And he said, you know, you always think back, what could you have done this, that, and the other? I said, how did your people respond? He said, the mothers came to my wife and came to me primarily and some of the dads and said, now, you know how we feel. Now we can listen a little bit more intently. Listen carefully. God allows pain 
hurt, suffering, trials in our life for what reason? Not only to cleanse us, but in order to equip us to be able to hurt with people whom we meet and we can say to them with genuineness, with conviction, and with an awesome sense of influence, I do know how you feel. I do know how you hurt. I do know what pain is all about. Storms were never sent to sink us. Storms are allowed in order to do what? To sanctify us and to make us more capable and more equipped to be what? Valuable, strong servants of God. Doing what? Making a difference in the hearts and lives of people who are hurt because every single child of God is to be a walking exhibition of the life of Christ. You can learn more about the believer's life of faith at intouch.org. And if today's program has given you guidance for your spiritual journey, please let us know. Tomorrow on In Touch, we'll hear how the storms of life can show us the truth about ourselves in a way nothing else will. I hope you'll join us for this revealing message Tuesday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. A recent episode of the Daily Podcast from the New York Times ominously warned, quote, the mosquitoes are winning. Mosquitoes, believe it or not, are mankind's deadliest predators, carrying disease that results in over 219 million infections and 400,000 deaths every single year. And even that number is dramatically reduced from previous highs. Highly effective efforts to combat malaria through bed nets, vaccines, and insecticides have reduced global deaths by more than a third. Today, however, the world's deadliest insect is making a comeback of sorts. A new breed of mosquito, known as Anethylese stevensi, known to researchers as Steve, has adapted to evade old methods of pest control. Not only does it reproduce year-round and in water as shallow as a bottle cap, it lives primarily in cities rather than in more rural areas. Between 2019 and 2021, global malaria deaths rose by 8% primarily because Steve's range expanded from Asia into Africa. Ponce's is a collection of writings from Blaise Pascal that were found and compiled after his death. Many of the writings that can be found in Ponce's are responses to the skeptics of his age. He especially wrote about the failure of those skeptics to grasp the human person. In one of his best-known passages, he wrote this, quote, Man is but a reed, the most feeble thing in nature, but he is a thinking reed. The entire universe need not arm itself to crush him. A vapor, a drop of water suffices to kill him. But, if the universe were to crush him, man would still be more noble than that which killed him because he knows that he dies in the advantage which the universe has over him. The universe knows nothing of this." End quote. Despite his young faith, Pascal brilliantly articulated humanity's value, as well as our complex relationship with the rest of the creation. His words stand in contrast to both pagan thinkers, who thought of humanity as subject to the whims of capricious deities, and to the utopian idealist of his age, who believed that man would soon fully master nature. Today as well, there are different views of the human person that emerge from different worldviews. Philosophical naturalists tend to see human beings as merely animals shaped only by instinct and desire. 
Eastern pantheists tend to think of human beings as part of the divine oneness that includes all things. You might say that for the atheists, humans are nothing but animals. For the New Ager, humans are gods. The truth, according to scripture, is that we're made in the image of God, but we often act like animals. And even the smallest living things, including mosquitoes, can remind us of our fragility. Contrary to the promises of transhumanism, we'll always be forced to reckon with human frailty, both in our mortality and in our morality. Yet, our situation is not hopeless. We alone, among all of God's creation, have the capacity to shape the world around us. The mosquito story is case in point. Malaria vaccines exist, but need better methods of transportation and delivery to be fully effective. Better infrastructure could reduce the amount of stale standing water, but building that requires capital supported by a robust private sector. Research and strategies that could improve things dramatically are often bogged down by government regulations. Well, even more, Christians know the end of the whole story, and that is that God restores all things on earth as it is in heaven. So, as thinking reads, fragile and powerful, we have every reason to continue to do our best to advance good, to reduce evil, and to restore God's world in whatever ways that we can. But still, I wish Noah had just squashed those two mosquitoes. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to Breakpoint.org. Mmm, a pumpkin spice latte makes me so happy. <sighs> Until it's all gone. A lot of things provide a happiness that comes up empty. There are thousands of you listening to me that have searched for happiness all your life, and you've never found it. Billy Graham says there's only one way to find permanent happiness, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I beg of you to receive Christ today and begin a life of inward happiness and peace. I do not mean that there will not be disappointments and persecutions ahead, but I mean that in the midst of troubles and difficulties, there can be peace with God that will bring an inward happiness. You can be happy today by giving your life to Christ. Learn more about giving your life to Christ and experiencing true happiness at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.